All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. 
for Jack Eichel before the medical team decides that he's ready for actual game action. But regardless, it's going to happen pretty soon unless there's a setback. And, you know, he hasn't played hockey in a year, Frank. It's been almost almost a year, March 7th of 2021, since Jack Eichel last took the ice in a National Hockey League game. So there's a lot of things for the Golden Knights to figure out in terms of their lineup, cap space, everything when he comes back. But this is a really encouraging sign for that team who's been looking forward to getting that premier centerman in the lineup. Yeah, the big question is now, what do the Vegas Golden Knights do with their cap situation? Just to outline where they stand at the moment, they need to cut about $5.7 million in salary at the moment in order to activate Jack Eichel. Here's where it really gets tricky, Mike. Alec Martinez has been out a long time this season. You know, there's varying reports on exactly what Martinez is dealing with on the back end. Is it a long COVID issue? Is it a concussion? It's been a little bit vague on that front. But what if the Vegas Golden Knights also wanted to activate Alec Martinez at a certain point? Both Eichel and Martinez, you're looking at almost $11 million in space that you need to clear. It's going to be difficult enough to try and uh, to try and find a solution for Jack Eichel, let alone trying to squeeze them both in. Who do you think at the moment when you're just looking at their salary cap table makes sense as the odd man out? Boy, it's really tough. I mean, they're going to have to move money out. And you look at how split that team is between big contracts and lower level contracts. You're looking at somebody like a Riley Smith or Evgeny Dodonov and, you know, someone like Dodonov, he has a year left to term at $5 million and he's not really performing to that level, that's going to be a tough contract. I think Vegas would have to pay somebody to take that one. And I think Riley Smith, unfortunately becomes your biggest option that you may have 5.25 million dollars against the cap he's a ufa next year consistent performer you know he's going to put in 2025 goals 30 years old thing is that's an original misfit he's been on the line with marcia and carlson now for the better part of five seasons he's a huge part of that lineup so difficult decisions coming for george mcphee and kelly mccrimmon in vegas yeah, Dodonoff is the easiest choice to pry off, probably the most difficult to move. Smith, a lot harder to to swallow hard and, and make the decision to go down that route. But in that case, you know, you're looking at a, a probably a better return, especially for a rental. I wonder if at any point, do they potentially consider Jonathan Marcia? So he's remained incredibly uh, competitive and productive as well. Uh, another original misfit. I don't know. It's a tough call for the Vegas Golden Knights, but yeah. I think when they look at it at the end of the day, they're adding one of what they believe is the 15 or 20 best players in the league into their lineup in Jack Eichel. So I guess all good things are going to come from that. Let's move on to the Chicago Blackhawks general manager search. Some fascinating news yesterday released by the team. Jeff Greenberg, the assistant general manager of the Chicago Cubs. That's right. Not the Rockford Icehogs, the Chicago Cubs of Major League Baseball interviewing for the all-encompassing GM position, the overarching, this guy is going to be running your hockey operations department. We reported back in December that the Blackhawks were interested and willing to think outside the box, but this is someone that has never worked in hockey. Mike, I think we all appreciate the need or the idea from the Blackhawks to consider all options. Could something like Jeff Greenberg work? I don't know. There's a lot on the plate and he's young too. I mean, 2020, 2012, when he was an intern in baseball, I mean, I was midway through my pro career and I know my career has been done for a few seasons, but I, I think for 
Greenberg to walk into a general manager role in the NHL, that would be an awful lot to ask. I think he might be much better suited as an assistant general manager just to learn the nuance of the game. I think that's important. You don't have to be an ex-hockey player at any level, NHL, amateur, anywhere to be successful as a manager. You do not need that, but you do need to know the complexities of hockey and why certain players could fit within the role. You can't just look at analytics or statistics. You need that. And I think that you can add as many people as you want underneath you. If Greenberg was GM, you still would be the person in charge and the person in charge needs to have final say. So would he be ready for this role currently? I don't believe so. Could he fill in a role as an assistant? Yes. And I think as you know, a set of eyes from outside the game, maybe that would be beneficial. But Frank, I think it's really interesting that the Blackhawks just keep announcing who they're interviewing. I don't know if I've ever seen that tactic before. Yeah, the transparency is new to the NHL. It's been going on in the NFL for a while. Um, I think you're right. I think it's a little bit of a stretch for Jeff Greenberg. I think the idea is novel. The The Hawks have been talking to baseball people the entire time. They have a direct line from their front office to the Chicago Cubs and their C-suite. Jamie Faulkner, their uh, president of business operations, she's married to someone in the C-suite from the Chicago Cubs. So clearly there's a relationship there. And I understand the want or, or the desire to have the conversation. I think we're all for exploring different opportunities and options. But when you look at Jeff Greenberg's resume, if you were to take his name off of it and slide his picture off, that's exactly the same resume that Kyle Davidson, their interim GM at the moment, already has within the Chicago Blackhawks front office working his way up through their hierarchy. So he's been in place as the interim. I think a lot of people have seen him as the front runner to this point. Um, but I think there's been a number of other interesting candidates, including Scott Mellonby and, and perhaps most notably Eric Tolsky from the Carolina Hurricanes, the brains behind their operation there in Carolina that's produced such a fantastic team. Feels like a stretch for me to go to baseball. Mm -hmm. We'll see what they ultimately end up doing. I think this is something that could be resolved by the end of the week. Mike, I've got my camo on. Let's talk a little trade deadline war room, a new series that we posted on dailyfaceoff.com today. Uh, I wrote a story uh, looking at the top objectives from each of the eight Atlantic division teams. We'll start with the Atlantic today, get to the Metro tomorrow. But let's start with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was interesting comments from Kyle Dubas at his midseason availability on Sunday afternoon as they got back to work after the All-Star break. And he said, look, I'm not really entirely sure what this team needs at this point. I want to use every available opportunity that I have to make a decision. From, from here, it seems like the Maple Leafs desperately need a partner for Jake Muzzin. That, that pair between Muzzin and Hall has been the most up and down unit of the entire Maple Leafs team this season. And so you're looking for a right shot defenseman to play in that spot with Muzzin. Here are the guys that they could potentially use or, or dangle the pieces that could be on the move. A 2022 first round pick. We saw they traded it last year, uh, in 21 for Nick Felino. Uh, their, their first round pick, Rodian Amirov, Matt Nyes, and Nick Abrazzese. You know, you look at this group, it, it, does that make sense to you in terms of a, a right shot defenseman? And, you know, moving forward, should the Leafs go out and target this person or are they currently constituted good enough to compete? 
I don't think they're good enough to win a Stanley Cup with the way the defensive core is right now. When Jake Muzzin's been out of the lineup, the Leafs have looked completely different. Uh, he's been out with a concussion, should be coming back relatively soon, it looks like, if things go as planned. But they're a completely different team when he's out. And then you combine that when Hall was out. Wow, it was tough. And I think that just spoke to how the depth isn't where it needs to be on the back end for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I know a right shot defender is who they covet. And I think that's the right play, but I think they need an extra defenseman regardless of the shot. And I wonder what the right fit is. You know, you think of John Klingberg who could definitely add points. He's a bit of, he's a threat on the power play, but I'm not sure if he's really that hard edge shut down defenseman in front of the net that the Maple Leafs to me really need. They need some strength on the back end because I'm not sure that Sandine and Lilligren are really ready. Dermot, they, they don't play those same hard minutes, you know, and, and I just think of right shot D. I mean, even like a throwing a name against the wall here, Scott Mayfield out of New York Islanders. You know, that's somebody to me who plays hard, who can stand in front of the net and chip on offensively. To me, I think that's more the type of defenseman that the Maple Leafs may need to add. They're fine up front. I think they're going to be happy in goal. Uh, but me, I, I'd be, if I were Kyle Dubas, I'd be looking really hard to add a D. Man, Mayfield stylistically would be such a good fit, but he also fits their cap and has some term. He seems to check right. a lot of the different boxes that Kyle Dubas has mentioned. He doesn't know how many bullets he has in the chamber and needs to spend them wisely. His words from Sunday. Let's shift gears and talk the other side of the coin, and that would be further east in Canada with the Montreal Canadiens. The way I describe their primary objective as they hit the deadline on March 21st is... Be in full send mode. They also need to make a decision on their head coach in Dominic Ducharme. Ben Chirot is the easiest guy to move. I mean, in the sense that there's going to be lots of interest as a rental. He plays some of those minutes that exactly uh, fit the description of what you were talking about. Brett Kulak, another pending uh, UFA. Arturi Lekkonen is someone as an RFA that's going to have lots of interest. I, I've had teams mention to me that he's going to be in that first round pick category the other guys with some term, Jeff Petrie, Josh Anderson, and Tyler Toffoli, if you were in the chair for the Montreal Canadiens, Jeff Gorton and or Kent Hughes, what would be your first priority for the deadline? Well, I think Sherratt's headed out the door for sure. I, I think Lekkonen, if you can get a first rounder for him, absolutely, I'd do that as well. You know, I think it's going to be kind of hard to move Anderson's contract with the term on it, especially at $5.5 million. So I'd probably be surprised to see that one go. But I think Toffoli's somebody to keep an eye on. You know, a couple of years remaining on his deal at 4.25. Toffoli should be a 20 to 25 goal scorer in the league. I know his numbers are down a bit this season, but look at everybody in Montreal. That's not surprising. So uh, I'd really look to Toffoli. And I'll even throw Jake Allen in there. He's got one year left on his deal at 2.875, which that's a really agreeable cap hit for somebody who could be a 1A, a 1B. He can fit a lot of different roles for a team. And of course, that's probably depending on what the Canadians think Carey Price may do or what they want to do down the road, even with their goaltending. So there are definitely options for Kent Hughes and Jeff Gorton in Montreal. I, I would be moving as many pieces as I could right now. Uh, I'd be surprised with Petrie's cap hit if he could be moved, but I think they've got to retool and restock and just start kind of blank slate. Not that different from what Jeff Gorton did with the New York Rangers just several years ago. Yeah, and if you look at the playbook from the Rangers in 2018, that's exactly what he did. He moved out all of the pending UFAs, but then he also started on some of the guys that had a little bit of term uh, left on their deals. Ryan McDonough, JT Miller. If you look back on it, that trade actually didn't really work out all that great given the quality of pieces that the Rangers gave up then. But 
you know, Jake Allen's an interesting one. The cap hits great. Hasn't really played that well this season has struggled with injury as well. Uh, but to Foley, I think if the Montreal Canadians were interested in moving him, there'd be a lot of, uh, I, I characterize it as strong interest in the piece, given that his production 20 plus goals every year and the cap hit is right in that sort of sweet spot. It's right at market value and you get some cost certainty. That makes a lot of sense. Head to dailyfaceoff.com for the other six teams in the Atlantic division. And as I said, we'll have the Metro up tomorrow. Let's get to another edition of the next wave with Chris Peters. That's right. Pleased to have Chris Peters back on the show for another edition of The Next Wave, delivered by DoorDash. Chris, you look at last night. What a game between Team USA and Canada. Another edition in this historic rivalry. Never seems to disappoint, I guess, unless you're a fan of the American team, with how well the Americans came out last night, outshooting Canada by a 53-27 to 27 margin. Anne-Marie Debienne, excellent in net for the Canadians. When you look at this tournament, where it heads from here now as the preliminary round wraps up, what what kind of feel what kind of message does this send to both teams as they head toward what feels like an inevitable gold medal showdown again? Yeah, well, I, I think this game said a lot about Canada, their resilience and their ability to bounce back. You know, they they played a game 24 hours, less than 24 hours before this game against the United States, and they took the best shot the U.S. had and still managed to find a way to win. I think one of the things that we've seen throughout this tournament, and as you can see there with the power play situation. The U.S. failed to capitalize on special teams. We always talk about any international tournament, the importance of special teams. They did score one power play goal, but they had many more opportunities, especially in the third period when you would think that Canada might be getting those heavier legs and trying to get, you know, get back back on track. But really what Canada did, they pulled away in the second period. They immediately responded to the U.S. go ahead goal just 26 seconds later. And then they never looked back from that. And then just played solid team defense. I thought that there were a lot more shots that were coming out from, from the outside later in the game. The U.S. was having more trouble getting to the inside uh, like they did in the first period. That actually was something they did very well. They had some great scoring chances, but as you mentioned, Davian was outstanding in the net with 51 saves. So I think that you know both teams have a lot to work on, but I think Canada is that they're a little bit more skilled and they're a little bit more precise. You look at the shooting percentages for both teams. Canada's scoring at about 17% of their shots. The U.S. at about 8.5%. And I think that you can kind of see that there was a skill gap in this game. Um, even though the Americans carried the play, dominated possession, I, I liked the way that they played for the most part. But I think that Canada was a better finishing team, and that showed in the result. Chris, there was a big turning point in the game for me on Poulin's penalty shot that she ended up scoring on. And yeah. I saw last night that you went in deep on the rule itself, and, and I did as well on Twitter. And, and I first off want to just interject a little bit of personal taste on this where I, I feel like <laughs> the defending player should always just let the player go. Take the shot, trust your goaltender to make the save because otherwise you run the risk if you foul the player of their goaltender having to make a second save, which Rooney was not able to do on the penalty shot. Now, I would like for you to be able to explain to everybody watching why that rule is the case. Why, even though Poulin was fouled and still got the first shot off, that she was still awarded a penalty shot and how that differs from the NHL rules. 
Yeah, well, initially, you know, there actually was a bit of a rule change in June. So I had initially got it wrong on Twitter last night where where it was not subjective. It was just if a player is on a breakaway and they're fouled from behind, it is a penalty shot. Even if they get a shot away, it's that's up to their the official. The double has kind of changed the language a little bit. So there was definitely some controversy in the decision to deliver the to, to deliver that call. I personally thought Based on every international tournament I've watched, that is almost always going to be a penalty shot. If you impede the progress of the player, regardless of, you know, if they get a shot off, it's completely up to the official to say if if a if a scoring chance was thwarted. And just because a player gets a shot away does not necessarily mean that the, that the penalty shot is wiped out. So in the end, that was a huge call. It was a huge turning point. Marie-Philippe Poulin, who did not score in the shootout in the last uh, the last Olympics, in the, the shootout that, that decided the gold medal, put a perfect shot past Matty Rooney. Um, and, you know, I, I'm with you on that. I, I actually remember back in, in hockey camp, I was about 12 years old and Brian Burke was the guest coach. And he said, if you ever have somebody in a breakaway in front of you, trip them. <laughs> and, I, and I said, really? <laughs> and, uh, and, he, and he said this because he said, all the pressure is on in a penalty shot. And, you know, but I, I agree with you, Mike. I think if you give a goalie two chances to make a save and they already made the one, you're a little less likely to maybe make that second one. Yeah, that's a good point. Chris, um, quickly, the men's tournament gets underway late tonight, overnight, um, uh, the afternoon in Beijing time. You have a story that's going to be posted on dailyfaceoff.com on Wednesday, taking a look at all of the prospects that are in the tournament. We know about Owen Power. We know about Matty Beneers. Give me one underrated or under the radar, I guess you could call him, prospect that will get a lot of attention in Beijing that you're most interested in seeing. Yeah, you know, it's actually a guy that's undrafted, and it's Ben Myers from the University of Minnesota. He's going to be one of the top college free agents this year. I think many, many teams are going to be after him. He's fast. He's gritty. He scores. Um, he actually, the, the U.S. and Canada played a scrimmage. They didn't score at five on five, but they also did a, a three on three. And he actually scored in that against against Canada. So he and uh, he was one of the few players to actually score a goal in that game uh, between the two teams. And I, I think that the way that he plays, the style that he plays is emblematic of how the U.S. wants to play. So that's a guy to keep a, a closer eye on because NHL teams are absolutely going to be watching him very closely. There were teams that wanted to sign him after last season. He decided to go back to the University of Minnesota. There are probably even more teams now that would like to have a conversation with him as soon as the uh, as soon as his season at Minnesota is over. So there should be a very long line. That's definitely a free agent to know in this tournament. Ben Myers, Mark McLaughlin, and Strauss Mann, all three players on Team USA, Strauss Mann, and net undrafted free agents that will be up for grabs on the back end of the Olympic tournament and their seasons. Thank you to Chris. This has been another edition of The Next Wave. You can see the promo code at the bottom of your screen, D-F-O-D-D, or if you're in the U.S., D-F-O-D-D-U-S. For first-time users, DoorDash, they'll bring your favorites and more right to your door, 25% off and no delivery fees for your first order. Use those promo codes. This has been another edition of The Next Wave, delivered by DoorDash. All right, Mike, it's time for our daily face-off show inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. We'd be happy to take your questions. Mike, just two games last night, but the slate really gets revved up tonight and seemingly beyond. Uh, we were supposed to be dealing with an Olympic break, but now we have a lot of games to make up, 105 games that had been postponed. 
throughout the NHL season, and that's going to make for some tough sledding for some teams. So let's throw these uh, graphics up here in terms of what's remaining for some of these teams. Give me one schedule that you're not envious of, not an easy choice for these four teams. Well, they're they're all a bear. There's no doubt about it. But I actually think the Minnesota Wild have the toughest schedule of any of the four that are listed. 41 games in 79 days. But you really have to look at the strength of the schedule. And the Wild are going to be going into the meat of the Central Division. They've got an Eastern swing through the Metro and be playing some of the Atlantic teams. And I think their schedule just looks really, really difficult. You know, it's kind of similar for the Islanders. They've got a tough one as well. But the Islanders are already out of the playoff hunt. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Minnesota. Edmonton and Calgary. They're going to be playing a lot of the Pacific Division teams, not quite as difficult. Uh, so, I, I, Frank, I really think the pressure's on here for the Minnesota Wild because they're going to be playing some tough teams and playing a lot of hockey in a short time span. Yeah, the answer is the Islanders, and it's not just because they have the most games to make up. It's because they're out of it. Not only is it going to be tough sledding, but it's, it's going to be not so much fun <laughs> with not a lot to play for down the stretch. Uh, your point is well made about the Minnesota Wild, though, especially in the month of April. They close out their last three weeks, I believe, with four games in each of those last three weeks. So that is certainly going to be difficult as they're jockeying for position and maybe even for the president's trophy. We'll see how that impacts the races down the stretch. Let's get to our daily face-off, daily bet segment. Our pal Tyler Uremchuk is in Phoenix catching some sun this week. Tyler, a little bit of a cold night last night. Yeah, how'd it go for you? Thanks, Frank. It was a bit of a rough night last night, but honestly, pretty unlucky. Like the Canes blow that lead to Toronto and then lose in overtime as well. We only had them on the money line, so an OT win would have been fine. Brady Kachuk, well, the Senators scored four goals and Brady didn't get involved in any of them, which is rare. Uh, So we'll look to move on tonight. I got three plays starting with the Carolina Hurricanes. They were a disappointment for me last night, letting me down. I like them to bounce back tonight. They have a winning record in the second half of back-to-back games so far this season. As for the Senators, they have a losing record in the second half of back-to-back games this year going 2-4-1. and one. Just because the Canes lost to Toronto doesn't mean they're a bad road team. They're still one of the best road teams in the NHL. I like them to bounce back in a big way, taking them on the puck line tonight against Ottawa. For my second play, I'm going with the over in New Jersey, Montreal. New Jersey, 24 overs, 19 unders, three pushes this year. Montreal, 24 overs, 19 unders, and one push so far this season. Both these teams have a tendency to hit the over. Montreal had four straight overs going into the All-Star break as well. New Jersey on the second half of back-to-backs. I think this is a recipe for a lot of goals. And finally, to wrap things up for my player prop, I'm going with a Gustav Nyquist point. It's paying a pretty juicy plus 120. He's also on a three-game point streak this year, 25 points in 43 games, but he's starting to get rolling a little bit, at least heading into the All-Star break he was. And plus 120, a guy playing on the top line just to get a point, going up against a Washington team that's been struggling for a little bit and is also going with Phoenix Copley, their, their third string between the pipes tonight. I like taking Nyquist to get a point. Kane's on the puck line, New Jersey, Montreal over. Those are my three plays, Frank. It's a three-play night for Tyler Uremchuk. As they say, scared money, don't make money, Mike. Mike, that brings (laughs) us to garbage time. Uh, I think we all probably had a little bit of a smile today when we saw Pat Maroon, the big rig, staying in Tampa Bay for another two seasons. Mr. Three-time, <laughs> three Stanley Cups in a row for Pat Maroon and signing this two-year deal for him, it's at a million bucks. It's just a great example of a player who's in a really good place. 
He's happy where he is. It's a great fit. And, and he's still producing for the Tampa Bay Lightning. 33 years of age, you know he's going to chuck in 10 goals, maybe 25 points, add some toughness on those fourth line minutes. And when the Lightning get in a pinch, he can hop up on the power play. I've, I've skated with Pat Maroon since I was probably 18 years old in St. Louis. We both grew up here. And his hands are unbelievable. They're so underrated for somebody of his size. And everybody loves playing with him. So really happy to see that for Pat Maroon. Again, it's a great fit. A lot of history there uh, with Coach Cooper dating back to the North American Hockey League, I believe, in either Texarkana, I want to say. Texas or Arkansas in mm -hmm. an old barn. So um, lots of history, a great contract, and congrats to Pat Maroon. Yeah, I think you, John Cooper said it best. He said, we need characters that have character. Pat Maroon oozes that. Three straight Stanley Cups uh, with two different teams uh, going for the four-peat, which is just utterly ridiculous uh, this spring with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Nice to see him get an extension. And speaking of character, Robert Bertuzzo as well. He ends up with a two-year extension. A big part of what happens with the St. Louis Blues behind the scenes. Maybe he doesn't get a lot of attention or credit, but Bertuzzo signs a a two-year extension today with the Blues, the Stanley Cup champion there. Two years at 950000 per season. Mike, that'll do it for today's show. Uh, keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the National Hockey League. We'll be back right here tomorrow, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Until then, have a great day, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.